Good morning, Joy Church. Good to see you guys today. Hey, man, happy birthday. It's our seventh birthday. We're moving out of that fussy toddler stage. We're moving into the soccer practice stage, yes, of life. How many of you parents of children between the ages of like six to 12 know your life? You just become an Uber driver. Uber driver, but you don't get paid. No tips. The tip is like, Dad, you should like, you know, lose some weight. Yeah, be better. (laughs) Well, we're so excited to be together on our uh, seventh birthday, and it's just a wonderful time to celebrate, worship God, and just reflect on what God is doing in and through us as a church. And uh, um, this week, as I was just praying and, and thinking about our birthday, I was really overwhelmed with just love and appreciation for you guys. Um, and I'm not just saying this to butter your biscuits. Like, honestly, uh, from the bottom of my heart, and I, and I think Bethany feels the same, but we didn't rehearse this, so uh, I'm not speaking for her, but we just love you guys. And somebody had asked us recently, they said, is it hard to be a pastor? And I said, well, I think for some people it is, but honestly for us, it, it isn't. Yeah, there's some days that are hard, but the reality is this is an incredible church. And you guys are our heroes. Um, you guys are generous. You guys are servants. You are leaders in the community. It blows my mind to hear about what all of you are doing, um, just the impact you're making in our community for the kingdom of God. You're, you're, you're doing great in your families, your marriages. You're a testament to God uh, at work in your life. You guys suffer well, which is not something that I want to, you know, I don't want you to have to go through that. You're like, I don't receive that. But all of us go through suffering and you guys do it for God's glory. And as, as you do suffer, you suffer for Christ and you're inheriting his glory and God's doing something beautiful. So that was what I wanted to share with you today. I'm just, I love Joy Church. I love you guys. I think you're beautiful. I really do. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that about your physical attractiveness. I think you're beautiful in that way too. But what I really care about, and I think what God looks at is the heart uh, of faith that you have. And so we love you guys. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs>
Well, happy birthday, church. Seven years is amazing. We'll be celebrating at Destino Cristiano, Joy Church La Paz. We'll be celebrating 10 years in November. Um, it's, been a, it's been a great ride, I'll tell you that much. It's been an adventure. Everybody knows I don't like adventure, but I've been on one. So um, what, in that number that's up there, oh, where's the number? The number is amazing. I need that. That's a number. That's impressive. It's beautiful. It's amazing. Um, we have been recipients of part of that. Not all. <laughs> but <laughs> wouldn't mind it all. But we have been, our church has been so incredibly blessed by, by your church. It's unbelievable what has happened. And the, the, when, when you guys give and you're so generous, it's not just, the value isn't just in the number. It goes way beyond the financial, the things we can buy, the fact that we can buy a church on the plaza in a place called Pedregal, or we can, you know, buy musical instruments or sound equipment, beautiful, comfortable chairs. That's not really the whole thing. Because more than anything, what, what your generos generosity does on the mission field, and I'm going to speak for all the missionaries, is that you're, you're helping us to elevate the mindset of the people. Because they, they are seeing God's abundance through your generosity. Because they are seeing, wow, they, they're not just coming with their finances, but they're coming and visiting us. They're coming and working for our, our, our place. They're coming and blessing our people. They're coming to teach us stuff. They're coming with their music. They're coming with everything, with your resources. And so for us, it's a major mentality boost. We have people that have been very poor all of their lives who are now purchasing properties, who are opening businesses, because they're getting a mindset of what it looks like, how do the... What, how we are as Christians, that we're blessed and we have abundance. So it's a beautiful thing. And even one more thing, just we have many, many uh, uh, ministries. For example, we have a hospital ministry where we go outside um, in front of the hospital and serve food and coffee to the people, pray their salvations every single week. Um, also, we're going to the prisons, we're going to the recovery centers, we're, we're going to the police department and giving them tortas, making friends. <laughs> The thing about it is that they are producing the food, the coffee, and everything with their own money. They are providing the burritos and the tortas because they're seeing that they want to be givers. They want to be generous with their money. So your generosity is contagious to our church. And then our church as a church also is generous. We have helped start three different churches, two in Mexico and one in Panama. And so this is a beautiful, beautiful thing, your generosity. The number is, I, I can't even believe it, but it's more than that. The value is, that, that's not even the total value. So every time you give, I pray that you remember what I'm saying, that you're, you're boosting mentality of people who need it, who are seeing God work through you. So God bless you. I want to give um, my beautiful Bethany and Jake my love. I love them so much, and I appreciate you and everything that you do. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to say it. <laughs> Thanks. Same about you. We love you. Love you. Man, we love Jamie. It's too bad she doesn't have any faith or vision or passion. Or someday we're hoping she'll get a, a just really receive the call of God on your life <laughs> to uh, you know do something with your life, Jamie. You know, just uh, I'm teasing. She's she's on fire for the Lord and doing great things. And man, I'm so excited to be here with you guys on our 
seventh birthday, and, and we're jumping into uh, our message about unboxing evangelism and letting God's goodness flow through our life. But one of the things that I mentioned in first service, and I, I feel uh, impressed upon to do it here, is we were talking to Pastor Jamie last night uh, at dinner, and uh, across the street on, did I say it right, Ignacio Allende is the street that the church is on in La Paz. Raise your hand if you've actually been to Joy Church La Paz from our team, for our church here. Yeah, awesome. Good amount of people. And everybody that has gone, do you want to go back? Yes. yes. But right there on Ignacio Allende in, uh, in La Paz, um, Destino Church has a beautiful building that God has provided for them. And across the street is an even better building that we believe God wants to provide for them. And it's bigger and, uh, and better and, and more room for all the ministries that they're doing. And when you go there, there is, it's actually, I have to, we have to tell Jamie, like, just chill. We need to go to the beach at least one day because I love to minister, but I also need to go to Tecalote and just float in the ocean, okay? I don't want to uh, be doing stuff every day, but there's so much ministry and just outreach and, and the people are hungry. And so when you talk about the fields being white, the harvest being white, it really is. Um, and across the street from their church building, Pastor Jamie's believing for this building. And uh, what do you guys need? A couple hundred thousand dollars? And, you know, one of the things that I always believe is that when there's supernatural vision, there's supernatural provision. And honestly, that's not that much money. Uh, it is a lot of money. I don't have a few hundred thousand dollars sitting in my bank account right now. I actually did. It was in that Silicon Valley bank. <laughs> but it's gone now. And... Um, some of you are like, what? Anyways, uh, I don't have it in a bank account, nor did I ever. But what I know is that every mountain is a molehill to God. And I'm believing that God is going to raise up and stir vision. Maybe you're a businessman, businesswoman. Maybe you have access to somebody and maybe God's just putting it on your, maybe you're not a business person. Maybe you don't feel like you have a lot of money, but God's putting it in your heart. I just want us to pray and believe for this need to get met for the vision of what God wants to do. Because God gave us this building. And we absolutely shouldn't have it. Uh, you know, God has blessed us as a church financially and all of that. But honestly, we just operate in the miraculous. We just walk by faith and say, God, we don't let the presence or absence of money dictate direction. We let what you're speaking dictate the way we go. Yeah. So Pastor Mark can attest to this. Bethany and Mark and I sat down and had a lot of pencil sharpening meetings, didn't we? And go, well, it's not going to work. And I remember one time we were re, you know, learning about the parking lot and, and I'm like, it's off. We're not getting the building. It's done. Throw it away. You know, nope. Because when God wants you to be somewhere, he's going to make it happen. Amen. So let's pray for this need to be met. Jesus, we lift up this building across the street from the current Destino campus. And we ask, Lord, that you would open the doors that need to be opened, that you would stir the hearts that need to be stirred. I thank you that where there is supernatural vision, there's supernatural provision. And Lord, you provide for our needs this might seem like a mountain to Destino, but it's a molehill to you. And Lord, it's a phone call away, a bank transfer away, a conversation away, a, a stirring prayer, a prophetic word away from needs being met. And so Lord, I pray that you would bring together, uh, Lord, those, those sides of this, God, that you would move and bring provision and we would see Destino prosper and move into this new place and be able to, uh, Lord, uh, make the impact in the city of La Paz that you want them to make. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Awesome. Well, we're jumping in talking about unboxing evangelism. Evangelism for many people is, or for many Christians at least, is kind of a cringy thing. But what we, as we were looking at this in this season of moving into Easter and sharing our faith and kind of opening up uh, our, our walk with the Lord, what, what we realized is that evangelism doesn't have to be cringy. 
It's not meant to flow out of the, come from the scraps at the bottom of our spiritual life, but rather to be, to come from the overflow of what God is doing. It says in Psalms uh, 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in him. As a follower of Jesus, not every day has been easy, but I'll tell you what, the very worst day with Christ, with the hope that springs eternal in my heart, with the future resurrection that awaits, and with the glory that Christ is working in me as he conforms me to his image, is better than the best day without Christ. And therefore, evangelism is not this duty, uh, sort of, I have to do it, I'm driven, I, I have to do it, otherwise God's mad at me thing. It's that as I allow the gospel to work its work in me, what comes out is something that is attractive and winsome to the people around me, or at least it should be. And so we're talking about unboxing. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus is giving the Sermon on the Mount, and he starts this sermon up on the hillside there, and he's, it says his disciples, he called his disciples to him, and so we have a group that is sort of being built one by one. His, his followers, his disciples are coming to him, but also crowds and multitudes are approaching And in the context of this sermon, Jesus gives these words. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, as I read this passage, and I was saying, God, I have some notes that I want to share on Sunday. But I always say, Holy Spirit, if you want to add something, change something, throw my stuff away, whatever, that's always an open door, right? I don't like it because I, when I get my work done, I want to be done, right? But, but I'm open to it. And as I was reading this passage, I felt the Lord speak a couple of things into me. One of them was this, that when Jesus gives a, an analogy or a picture, when Jesus says something, these are not throwaway words, Jesus was on planet earth in the flesh for 33 years, but only three years was he giving his ministry. And I'll just tell you what, I've been a pastor longer than Jesus was a pastor because I've been pastoring for seven years. He only had three, but man, I'll tell you what, he did a lot with three years. Come on. So what does that mean? He, he put some oomph into those words. There was some power. There was some weight. There was some gravitas. In those words, there's meaning here. And in this passage, we ought not to just go, oh, light of the world, da-da-da-da-da, heard that before. I've seen that at evangelical Christian bookstores on a plaque that I can put in my bathroom. No, Jesus is giving us a picture here, and it matters. And he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light. And that light is not to be hidden. That light is not to be concealed. That would be counterproductive. If we have the light on, we need the light to shine. When we talk about light, and in the context of this sermon, Jesus also talks about salt. He gives us these two pictures. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And both of these things have one thing in common. They are both agents of change. When you introduce salt into the atmosphere or you introduce light into the atmosphere, it changes the environment. Jesus' listeners would have been familiar with this this concept of salt because they would get salt from the Dead Sea Basin and they've been doing this for thousands of years. And they would use that salt for a few different purposes. One of the things they would do is they would take it to their, their bathroom place behind their house or dwelling. And where they did their business, they would have a bag of that salt and they would put it there because salt kills the bad stuff. Salt eliminates or suppresses what is bad. But they would also take this same salt, which was rich in minerals, and they would 
put it around some of their plants and it would actually fertilize and give nutrients to the plants. And so salt has these two characteristics. It suppresses what is negative, what is bad, and it elevates what is good. Christian, you are salt. You are to suppress by your witness, by your testimony, by your presence as the light of God is in you and shines out of you. You are to suppress around you the work of darkness, the work of the the enemy, the suspicion and the, the evil and the abuse and the oppression and all of that should go down when Christians show up. Amen? And furthermore, we are light. When light shows up in the environment, it changes things. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm scared of the dark. Anybody else? And I hope my kids aren't in here because we're trying to tell them, you know, don't be scared of the dark, but their dad is scared of the dark. So it's a problem. Now, you might think I'm kidding. I'm not. When I joke around and I'm vulnerable, it's real, okay? It really is. That's the only way I know how to be is just be real. And I'm scared of the dark. I mean, sometimes I'll be so scared of the dark and I'll want to wake Bethany up and then I feel too bad about it, but I'm so scared. The other day I was, I was, I had my Kindle. How many of you have that Kindle paper white? You know, it has a little light. And so it's pitch black dark and I'm reading a ghost story. <laughs> it was like 11 at night, you know, that's when the bad guys are out, you know? And so I'm reading this book and I can feel in me this tension in my chest where I'm like, and I'm like, oh no, you're scared. You know, I like found myself in this state of affairs as if I didn't put myself there. And I wanted to wake Bethany up so bad. And then I thought, how am I going to explain to my wife that here's her 38-year-old husband, a man of God. And I'm scared, you know, because of this. So when I was a kid, I loved night lights. Come on. And there's something about, you can be scared. You know, when I'm laying in bed at night, you know, we live in a nice neighborhood and I've never had anything bad happen, knock on wood. You know, nothing bad's ever happened. But when I hear a sound, I just think they're, they're here. <laughs> Who's they? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Aliens, Bigfoot, demons. You know what I mean? What's that? Bad guys. Bad guys, communists. I mean, who's here? I don't know, the government, IRS. <laughs> Somebody's here. Oh, that was my neighbor getting home from work, you know. And Bethany's like, Jake, it's 4.30 in the afternoon, you know. You need to chill. <laughs> But there's something about when you flip the light switch on, all the boogeyman goes away, right? It's like all of a sudden the atmosphere has changed. And Christian, we are called to be light. That the fear and the anxiety and the darkness and the confusion is gone when you show up because boom, the light is on. You need to understand that you have light. This isn't just a metaphor, a word picture. Jesus wasn't giving throwaway words. He wasn't trying to appeal to the crowd. He was giving us meat, you are light. You change the atmosphere. Christians, we're called to be agents of sub, of sub, uh, subversive good. That we are undermining what the enemy is up to in the world. And we shine the light. You are light. The second thing Jesus says in this is let your light shine before others. You need to let people see that light. One of the greatest hindrances to the work of the church and the work of Christ in the world today is that we have contained what the church is meant to speak into and influence and meant to season with salt and with light, we've contained it to the four walls of the church. And so church in our culture is meant to happen on Sunday morning rather than to be the place where we're equipped to go out and be the church in the world around us. And so Jesus says, yes, you have light. It isn't little light. It's not fake. It's real light. It's real salt. That's what you are. And you need to let that light shine in the world around you. You're meant to go public with your faith. See, Jake, in my natural wiring, sort of in my flesh, I'm an introvert. I don't want to put myself out there. I don't want to be 
at the tip of the spear. I want to wait for somebody else to take the lead and then I'll kind of support. And yet the call of God in me compels me, no, there's a light. And Jake, you're a little salty. You need to shine that light and be a little salty out in public. But, but pastor, I, 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 I'm not a great example for Christ. I, my life is imperfect. Hey, join the club. But there is something in you when you become a follower of Jesus. There is now the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells on the inside. And by that spirit will he not give life to your mortal bodies. There is now a hope that springs eternal on the inside of us. We are filled with the spirit of God and we are called into mission on planet earth. There's been a great injustice to the gospel where we have turned it into something that is merely intellectual assent. In other words, I believe some things about Jesus and God and it's sort of my personal relationship with him and that's where it sort of settles and ends. But the gospel is meant to transform you and then use you to transform the world around you. And when we embrace a total gospel, a holistic gospel, it compels us out of our seats, out into the open. Jesus says, let your light shine. And third, what is the result of this? He says, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and what? Glorify your Father in heaven. It might feel weird to intentionally put your life on display. It might feel weird to step out of your comfort zone and now become a provocateur in the world around you. It might, might feel like against your nature. It does to me as well. But what is the end result of a Christian on mission with their light shining, with their saltiness out there in the open and influencing their, their community and influencing their friends and family and living on mission? What is the result is that people come to Jesus and God gets the glory. Right. You see, ultimately, our obedience to Christ is, is our act of worship, that our whole life is laid down at the altar and said, Lord, I'm yours. You can use my life. You can use my life in the good. You can use my life in the bad. You can use my imperfections. You can use the things I'm doing well. But people can come to you through me, and ultimately you get the glory. That is why we exist, to bring God glory. And the beautiful thing is that as we engage in this process, and we lay our lives down at the altar, that the promise of Scripture is that we are also now inheriting that same glory that God gets, the glory of Christ. We talked about that through the lens of suffering over the past few weeks, that when we suffer for Christ, we are inheritors of his glory. When we are on mission, we also work do, doing God's work and participating in what he's doing. We are also participating in the work of glory, and it's a beautiful thing. So you have light. Let people see it. God gets the glory. I was provoked in my, my spirit this week because I just finished a book by a man named Eric Metaxas, and Eric Metaxas is a wonderful author. He wrote a biography of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which I think is one of the finest books I could ever recommend. It's just, it, it's very good. And I think it's very appropriate for us as Christians in this day and age. And as Eric Metaxas was studying the book Bonhoeffer and doing all this research, he began to see the parallels between the church in Germany in the 1930s and the Church of America in the, in the 21st century. In the 1930s, you, you have the rise of the Nazi party, the rise of Hitler outside from the Versailles Treaty from World War I. The German people were very oppressed in terms of their economic stature and stuff. When you start world wars, that tends to happen. People don't like it, uh, right? Am I okay, history teacher Paul? Am I good? All right. And, uh, and uh, uh, the German people had gone through some economic hardship and all this stuff, and they were really ripe to be taken over and captivated by this hyper-nationalistic guy, the Führer, you know, the little mustache man, Hitler. Uh, I heard a comedian talk about Hitler the other day, and he goes, you know, the more I think about Hitler, I don't care for that guy. 
understatement of the century. And here's the German church of the 1930s. They were, the church and the state were pretty kind of uh, close together from uh, the Lutheran movement and everything that had happened. I'll try to spare you all the gory details of history that might bore you to tears. But Bonhoeffer uh, was a man of God, a pastor, and he, he saw the prophetic breadcrumbs of what, what was happening, that if the people of God, if the church didn't get their witness and get their light and get their faith out into the political sphere, out into the national sphere, that great evil would, would happen. And unfortunately, he was giving these prophetic words and he, was, he spoke right in the, the greatest church there in Berlin and, 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 uh, and all the elites were there and they were listening to him and he's saying, hey, we have to be, be real Christians. We can't just be people that sit in our churches and we let the world go on around us. But a real Christian is, yes, having that relationship with God, but they're also horizontally activated in their community. That they're, they're being salt and light. They're not silent when things that happen that are contrary to the gospel happen in a culture. They don't just sit on their butt in a comfortable chair and go, well, I'm good with God. But they wake up. And so in the church of Germany, Dietrich Bonhoeffer ends up creating this kind of league of, of pastors to, to speak up against the Nazis and so on and so forth. Unfortunately, I think only a few thousand pastors even signed up. There were so many silent pastors and silent Christians that the Nazis were able to basically pick off these pastors one by one by one. And he talks about this, the price of silence, that every time somebody's silenced and another person won't speak up, it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And it provoked me because as he's drawing these parallels, he's saying, Church of America, you have the benefit of what those Christians in Germany did not have. That as the world around you goes increasingly down the path of hell, they could have spoken up. They could have said something and probably with the collective weight of their witness made a difference in that time in history, but they did not. And many lived and died with great regret over what evil was allowed to take place. And, and Eric Metaxa said, and I believe a prophetic voice, Church of America 2020, 2021, 2022, whenever he wrote this book, you also are observing the culture around you increasingly becoming hostile to the, to the, to the gospel, increasingly hostile to human flourishing that God, God's vision for life provides. And if you remain silent and you allow your witness to be capped because you don't want to make people uncomfortable or you're not willing to give up your favorite spot in society, you will fall under the judgment of God. And I'm provoked by that because I'm like, you know what? I like my job. But you know what I like more? Honoring God. Man, I have a fear that if I lose my job because I'm too incendiary on Sunday and I don't try to be incendiary, I actually try to like not be incendiary. That's not my natural personality. But I can't remain silent because then I have to stand before God. I fear God more than I fear man, and I pray that you do as well. Man, Pastor Jake, I thought I was going to be encouraged today. You should be encouraged. Because I'll tell you what, there's something about being a real Christian. You salty. Come on. You walk into the room and there's transformation. There's change. You actually have enough Holy Spirit power to blow the proverbial fuzz off the peach. Come on, somebody. When you embrace the call of Christ on your life, you, you're in a different sphere. But I hear this prophetic warning and what Dietrich was saying, our brother, our, our beautiful brother in 1930s was saying, please, Christians, be awake. We're not meant to hide this light. Get it out. 
Get it out in the open. Live your life on public. Live it out there. Get the gospel into every place. Well, you're talking about, does the gospel supposed to speak into politics? Yes. Is it supposed to speak into how I spend my money? Yes. Is it supposed to speak into how I raise my kids? Yes. Is it supposed to speak into every sphere of life? Yes. Why would we ever believe the lie that says the gospel doesn't have prominence in every sphere of society? We had a, one time I spoke a message and I was talking about probably one of the incendiary things I was talking about. I don't remember. I'll just pick one out of your, your favorite that I do. Probably about abortion or something. And uh, which I'm against in case anybody needed to put that on record. Uh, like unequivocally against. Um, why would we not be against murder? It's murder. That's what it is. If pastors and men of God don't stand up and call a spade a spade, our nation's going down. So yeah. you won't find that here. If you don't like it, we have a couple of beautiful doors that people have donated. One, two, three, four, five, six. Hit them. Hit them. Because listen, because you're not going to come to this church and find people that, that aren't following Christ on mission. Okay. And we, I spoke something about that. I said, I get too passionate. This is the problem. Okay. Don't worry. I will end on time. Um, and somebody said, man, that was a very political message. I said, that's not political at all. How is that political? Is it, it's only political in that people ha are voting on these things. That's an ethical issue. So church, we're not going to be silenced because somebody wants to throw out a thing and say, well, that's political. And I'm not here advocating for a political party. But what I am advocating for is that Jesus should rule in how we, I, as Christians, move in politics. And if something is unbiblical or contrary to the gospel, unless somebody can show us in the word of God why something is, no, this is the way. I'm not talking about gray area issues. I'm talking about easy questions. Yes, we're going to be political. Yes, we're going to be economic. Yes, we're going to be philosophical. Yes, because we're going to bring the gospel into every area. Are you with me? Okay. So again, Jesus said, you have light. Light transforms. Light is an agent of change. It brings goodness into the environment. It changes things. You're meant to let it out, and then God gets the glory. As we talk about this today, I want to give you three quick things about unboxing our witness, unboxing our, uh, our faith, and allowing people to see and experience God's goodness through us. One of the things that I'm really provoked by right now, and we're going to do a series about this probably in a few months, is that there are different visions for life. Uh, you and I have a vision for our life. Like we see our future. We sort of see how we want it to go, what makes us feel good, so on and so forth. God has a dramatically different vision. And what it, every, everything ultimately boils down to is who do I trust and follow? Because if there is a God, I need to tune into his vision for my life, even when it interrupts my plans. Because ultimately he has my best interest at heart. So when it comes to sexuality, when it comes to marriage, when it comes to my finances, my politics, and all of that, am I willing to lay that all down at the foot of the cross and say, God, I'm going to tune into your vision for my life, or am I going to hold on to my own vision? Um, and as we, I'm excited to talk about that. I'm so excited I want to preach it today, but I'm not going to. So stop it, Jake. Stop it. Stop. Um, but we're going to talk about the idea of human flourishing and when we talk about evangelism, what we need to understand is that as we allow Jesus to work in our lives and to deal with our trauma and our drama and our problems and our pain, that there should be God's goodness working in us. Amen? And so as we talk about unboxing evangelism, this is what we're talking about, letting people see and experience God and God's presence and his goodness, which is holistic goodness, in us and through us. Three things, and we'll be quick, and we'll go... We'll go eat cupcakes and jump on the jump house, unless you're, unless you're 
you know, not, if you're not a child, don't jump on the jump house. We don't need to buy another jump house. We need to give more money to Jamie's church, right? So <laughs> Revelations 12.10 talks about how God's people overcome the enemy. And they do it through two things, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. In other words, what Jesus has done and their story about it. Guys, we need to unbox our story. We need to unbox our testimony. Testimony is like a real Christian way to say what God has done in your life. You see, I get really caught up in trying to answer the tough questions, and I think a lot of Christians think we're going to win people to Jesus because of our brilliance or our grasp of the intricacies of theology or being able to live a morally perfect life that just proves how much God we have in us, and that's not actually the case. Uh, Revelation 12.10 gives us the recipe. The blood of the Lamb is what Christ has done, and the word of my testimony is how, it has, how he's done it for me. And you can't argue with someone's story. Somebody wants to say, well, that's not valid. Well, that's what happened to me. How do you argue with that? We live in a culture that loves to self-identify, and this is who I am, my story, whatever. Well, my pronouns are lost, found. Um, so let's talk about what happened in my life. Well, I don't like your, your, your ideology. That's cool. I don't always like it either. But you know what I like is I like that God has actually rescued someone out of darkness, and, and yeah, he's opposing my will and my flesh and what I want to do, and, but man, he's so good, I can't deny it. It's undeniable. Your story needs to get out of the box. Yeah. Number two, we need to unbox hospitality and friendship. Rosaria Butterfield, in her book, The Gospel Comes with the House, he said, radically ordinary hospitality shows a skeptical post-Christian world what authentic Christianity looks like. Those who live out this radically ordinary hospitality see their homes not as theirs, but as God's gift to use for the furtherance of his kingdom, they open doors, they seek out the underprivileged, they know the gospel comes with a house key. Let God use your home, apartment, dorm room, front yard, community gymnasium, or garden for the purpose of making strangers into neighbors and neighbors into family. Because that is the point. Building the church and living like a family, the family of God. So many people live their lives in quiet desperation. I believe many people that on the surface appear to be hostile towards the Christian faith are broken and putting out a posture uh, to, to not look weak. And, but underneath that all, is a, is, it's a veneer. And underneath that veneer is a deep loneliness and a cry. And here's what I believe. Truth always wins out. It's like the beach ball you push down in the pool and it pops up. And so I, I, this is what I believe. If there is a God, and I believe there is, and if that God is, is, is transcendent but also eminent, he is the God who is there and he speaks. He's personal God, the infinite personal God, then he's always working in people's hearts and drawing him. The scripture says the Holy Spirit is at work in the world. Uh, he's convicting the world of sin, of righteousness, and the judgment to come. So I believe everybody that you look at in the city around you that you see that the Holy Spirit is already moving and working on that person's life. And in this technologically connected society, we're more lonely than ever because we live in digital echo chambers and we shout at mirrors and they shout back and we're all happy about that we're right. And yet we're, we're so disconnected and lonely. And what we have in the kingdom of God is different than any other institution or network because we are not bound together by race. We're not bound together by political affiliation. We're not bound together because of socioeconomic class. We are bound together and share blood, the blood of Jesus. The resurrected blood of Jesus flows through our veins. And so brothers and sisters can come together regardless of the color of your skin, regardless of who you voted for, regardless, obviously you need to vote like me because that's perfect. But if you didn't, you're still a part of the team. You're brought into the family of God. And let me tell you the power of unboxing the family of God and saying, hey, there's a place 
at the table for you. Well, does that mean we lower our, the standards? Do we, do we lower God's truth? No, we don't. we don't. We don't lower the witness. We don't lower the light. We don't turn the lights off. And yeah, the food's got salt in it. Come on, somebody. But taste and see that the Lord is good. There's a place at the table. Unboxing hospitality and friendship. It's powerful. Third and finally, we need to unbox the Holy Spirit. I've been provoked about this over the past month or so. And I'm a spirit-filled Christian. Hopefully you already knew that, but I am. And uh, I can do the Pentecostal dance. You know what I'm saying? I know how to do it. I, I, God, I can do it. If I had a tambourine, i go full Rambo on that tambo, okay? <laughs> but I've been provoked in my spirit over the past month because I, I look at the world around us and I think, man, I am so under-equipped and underpowered for the challenge that I observe around me. Jesus, if you want me to bring, be an agent of subversive good and an agent of change in the world around me, I need some extra mojo. And guess what? Jesus said, this is where it comes from in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In the Greek language, this word power is the word dunamis. In English, it's dynamite. And so Jesus said, dynamite is going to come upon you and give you power to be my witnesses. When I think about power and being a little pyro when I was growing up, breaking up Piccolo Pete's, I was excited by dynamite. Come on, somebody. I was excited. I grew up in the 1980s when there was no parental supervision. Hello. Now as a millennial parent, my kids have never even seen a firework, right? It's just different parenting styles, generations. But when I, as a Christian, I want that extra juiced up Holy Spirit power to be a difference maker in the world around me so that Jake's introversion does not trump Christ's extroversion to reach people for Jesus. Come on. That, that my inadequacies and my behaviors and my lack of living for Christ doesn't squelch what God wants to do through my life. I need power. Pastor Steve Merle said, the power of the Holy Spirit is for the proclamation of the gospel. Why do we care about being spirit-filled Christians? So we can get goosebumps. No, the goosebumps come with it. And I love to speak in tongues. And I love to be Pentecostal. I love to prophesy. I love the works of the Spirit. I love it. Love the fruit of the Spirit. You know what our world needs? The power, the dynamite power to break down strongholds, wrong thoughts, brokenness, all of the oppression and the power of the enemy that's fighting against God's work. Christians, be filled with the Spirit of God. We have nothing to give this world other than the Spirit of God activated on the inside of us. And come on, somebody, God wants to wake up your faith today to be a witness for Christ. I think we need to stop, and I need to stop, reflecting on how weak I am and reflect on how strong the power of the Holy Spirit is in me. Because I like to make jokes. Oh, I'm an introvert. You know what? I was an introvert. Now I'm a Christian. Well, I'm a victim. No, I was a victim. I'm lost. I'm blind. No, I was lost. I was blind. I've heard the song Amazing Grace. I once was, but now I'm. And there's a new reality in Christ. And when the Spirit comes upon you and you're filled with the Spirit of God, you're an unstoppable force. And I'll tell you what, the, the enemy does not have an immovable object because Jesus said the gates of hell shall not prevail. Yeah. 
Every time a Christian gets filled with the Spirit and says, Lord, I'm putting my hat in the ring, I'm raising my hand to you, I'm on team Jesus and I'll be used of you even in my weaknesses and my inadequacies. God, I'm bringing my trauma and my drama and my scars and please God, do some kintsugi in me and put some gold and some glory, like use my suffering and use my story. When you get filled with the Spirit, God can move through you. You make a difference in the world around you and you're unstoppable. And God will move in miracles. Jesus said, these signs will follow those who believe. One of the problems in the charismatic movement of which I'm a part is we've chased signs. What we should have been doing is chasing Jesus, preaching the gospel, and let the wonders and miracles catch up to the move of God. Because I believe when we go into the world around us, we preach the gospel, we plant churches, we establish embassies of the kingdom of heaven, the signs and wonders will come. The healings will come. They'll be there because the spirit of God is supporting the work of the church in this generation. Christians, we need to unbox the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you wait upon the Lord and you ask him for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Acts, when Christians were baptized in the Holy Spirit, everybody could tell. It wasn't a, it wasn't a secret. So you ask God to give you what my grandma had. My great, great grandma, or a great grandma, an Italian immigrant, came over. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit in the early 1900s and she spoke in a heavenly language for three straight days. People could tell she got baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need a move of God, a move of the power of God, a move of the Holy Spirit in 2023. Yeah. And this nonsense that we're facing as a culture, these, the, all the confusion that we have will literally burn away like chaff before a fire of the Holy Spirit as God's love, his truth, and his kingdom is established in Jesus' name. Okay. We're out of time. I'm not out of sermon, but we're out of time. I'm not out of faith. I'm not out of Holy Spirit. I'm filled and I'm ready to rock and roll. And guess what? I'll be back next Sunday. Oh, no, I won't. I'll be in Medford. I'm preaching at Joy Medford. My parents are going through their transition. Uh, they're not transitioning into a different thing. They're transitioning the church. I just realized we've got to define our terms today, but... Stumbled into that one. <laughs> Pastor Nikki will be preaching, and she's going to bring the fire. And you guys are going to be here worshiping. And we're going to be down in Medford, Bethany and I, up with our family at Joy Medford. And, and uh, I can't wait to get back here the Sunday after. Because <laughs> God is moving in us, church. You guys are incredible. You're beautiful. I'm not up here shouting because you're doing a bad job. I'm up here shouting because you're doing a good job. Yeah. I'm up here shouting because God is on the move. And I know there's that story in the Old Testament. I'm going to preach this a little bit longer. There's that king and God, the prophet comes to him and says, strike the arrows. And he goes, one, two, three. And, and the prophet says, you should have kept striking because now God's going to give you victory over your enemy three times. But had you struck and continued to strike in response to the word of faith and the prophetic word, you would have crushed your enemy before you. Let me just say something. When we are hitting home runs, we don't stop. Just keep hitting them. If the score ends up being 50 to zero, that's great. We want there to be no question. That's how I want Joy Church to be known in this city, that we just fought and prayed and prophesied and worked and loved people and did it until all of us got put into a casket and we got to go be with Jesus in heaven. But we do not stop. And I feel right now in my spirit provoked to say, church, there is an open door of ministry to us. 
There is an open heavens. God is on the move. He's on the move in our nations. When things look dark, guess what that means? The light shines brighter. People are lonely. They're confused. They're brokenhearted. They're looking for leaders. They're looking for strength for people to come in and say, look, this is the way. We need to go this way. Your voice right now is like getting a bonus. That's what I'm saying. When you share your faith with your coworkers, you have a bonus. When you share your faith with your family, guess what? Do they think they trust the American government? Do you think they trust the banking institution? Do you think they trust the school system and the educational world? Do you think they trust crypto? What do they trust in? And what the scripture says is when everything else is shaken, only the unshakable remains, and that's God's kingdom. So use your voice, shine your light, and be filled with the Holy Spirit, and God's going to do great things in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for Joy Church on our seventh birthday. We thank you for what you're doing. Lord, I love this church. I love the the bricks and building that we get to occupy right now, but I don't mean that. I mean I love these people, my brothers and sisters. I love this church. I love them. I thank you for them. Lord, together as brothers and sisters, we get to partake of your goodness. The, the, The fellowship that we have is so sweet and awesome. But Lord, you also are using us to be a lighthouse in this community And I pray that, Lord, today somebody here would be prophetically provoked from spectating to participating. Whether that means to walk across the street and say hi to a neighbor, or it means to talk to somebody at work, or it means to open their home and invite somebody over, I don't know. But Holy Spirit, you'll speak, you'll lead, you'll guide, and you'll give us boldness to be your witnesses. Because Jesus, this world needs you. It doesn't need me. It doesn't need uh, new ideas. It needs you. It needs to be right with you needs to be right with God. So let the gospel shine in Eugene and Springfield, all across the world, in and through us in Jesus' name. Real quick, if you're here and you don't have a relationship with Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to put your faith in, in him. Uh, I'm not like a secret Christian or an embarrassed Christian. I'm like all Christian all the way, all day, every day. I was talking to a friend of mine and he was asking for advice. He's not a Christian. I said, hey, just, just so you know, I'm going to tell you like Jesus stuff. Is that cool? Because I don't have any other. That's all I have. And he was like, that's fine. That's cool. You know, and I gave it to him. Um, if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, I'd love to sit with you and answer questions that you have. But what I, what I will tell you is the question in your heart at the, the bottom of your heart uh, can be answered in a relationship with Christ. And you can start that journey by putting your faith and trust in him today, making a confession. The scripture says, if you will confess with your heart, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Christ is the son of God, that God rose him from the dead, you will be saved. Um, Right now in this moment, you have an opportunity to to be a Christian, to choose Christ. And then he's going to be the Lord of your life and lead you on a journey. It's the beginning of a walk. It's not the end, praying a prayer, but it is a start And I believe when we pray that prayer of faith, the Lord answers it and and he saves you. And so if you're here today and you say, Pastor Jake, I want to be a Christian. I want to follow Jesus. Would you raise your hand so I can see? Just lift it up. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Come on. Anybody else here today? Just lift it up. Let me see real quick. I'm not going to call you out or embarrass you. We're just going to pray together. All right. Anybody else? Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's awesome. Let's pray this prayer together. Repeat after me. We're all going to pray with you. Dear Jesus. I give you my life, all the good and all the bad. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I put my faith and trust in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name, 
Amen.